Hello and welcome in to another edition of the Stingers Up Sacramento State Hornet football podcast. I'm Jason Ross. Thank you very much for those of you joining us and our uh, coverage is growing. Uh, hearing more and more feedback, so we appreciate it. Tell everyone else out there that they can check us out weekly here on our football podcast regarding the Sacramento State Hornets and what a time it is to be talking about the Sacramento State Hornets. Today on the podcast, we will uh, not only look at the Hornets' last win against Northern Arizona, we're also going to visit with defensive coordinator Andy Thompson, and we'll look ahead to the matchup with Northern Colorado with a little treat as well in there uh, as a great moment in Hornet history at Northern Colorado. All that coming up today on the podcast, but let's begin with kind of where the Hornets are in this race in the big sky. It was a good weekend, you could say, for Sacramento State. Eastern Washington was surprised last week by Weber State. Kind of keeps Weber's very slim playoff hopes alive. First loss of the year for Eastern Washington, either overall or in league. And so you've got Eastern Washington 4-1 and in conference. UC Davis 4-1 and in conference. Then you go to the top, the undefeated teams. It's Sacramento State at 4-0 and Montana State at 5-0. and Of course, the Hornets and the Bobcats will not play in the regular season. Sacramento State, the remaining games, they've got Northern Colorado. They have Cal Poly, Portland State, and UC Davis remaining in their final four games. So they'll see what uh, happens around them. Eastern Washington and UC Davis still play each other. Montana, Montana State still play each other. There's a lot of stuff that's still going to go on. But as of now, the Hornets are 5-2, and two, winners of four consecutive games, including just a complete performance last Saturday, homecoming night, at home against Northern Arizona, a team that was coming in red hot offensively. I mean, just playing such great football. The uh, change at quarterback, they're playing the freshman Martinez there, and he was flourishing over the last couple of weeks. But it was about other quarterbacks, Asher O'Hara, who was very, very good, and Jake Dunaway, another sensational week for Dunaway. In fact, he was the Big Sky Offensive Player of the Week. Congratulations to him on his numbers, on his day, on the win. And on the Hornets, uh, also we saw other players contribute in that shutout win as uh, Cameron Scadaboo, the freshman, got an opportunity to run, and he got his first 100-yard rushing day of his Hornet career. So there were so many things to love, but I think maybe what a lot of people were highlighting was the defense, the shutout. I mean, just a great, great game all the way around from the Hornets, but their defense as well to get the shutout. So with that said, let's listen back to how it went Saturday night against Northern Arizona. Dunaway back in. Two receivers right. Two to the left. Ball on the left side hash mark. Dunaway, play fake. Looks over the middle. Quick slant. It's caught. Touchdown. Wow. Parker Clayton gets in for the first time this year. A quick slant right over the middle. And Jake Dunaway is sizzling hot right now. 13 for 13. Third down for NAU. They are 0 for 3 on third. Ariel Nagata's in to bring some pressure. Same with Erickson. Snap comes in. Martinez feels the pressure, throws underneath, and missed his man. A little hot, and through the fingers, incomplete. Three and out goes NAU yet again. Yep, and then Erickson hit him right in the back of the calves as he was releasing the pass. So the quarterback is not feeling comfortable. Again, Martinez, a freshman, threw for 417 yards against Southern Utah a week ago. Five touchdowns. He has over 1,000 yards passing, and he wasn't even the starter. Nine touchdowns, just one interception. Just came in with all these accolades, and in this game, the Hornets' heat is causing him to feel uncomfortable. First and goal at the one, Dunaway under center. Cameron Scadaboo is behind him as the lone back. They'll slide Martin in motion. It's an end around to the tight end. Marshall Martin, what a design. He rushes in for a running touchdown. And the tight end in motion just a turn and give to him. 
and Marshall looked, Stephen. There was just nothing but the end zone in front of him. That was beautifully designed. And the blocking was absolutely outstanding. Let's go back down to Danny. Danny. It, it was a beautiful design play, guys, as he made his way back down the line like he was going to block. It was a simple handoff, and he just, you know, turned left and walked right in. Asher will give it to Scadaboo. Scadaboo runs off the right side, breaks a tackle, fights for the goal line. Oh, and he powers his way in. Wow. That is a power run by the freshman's first career touchdown for Cameron Scadaboo. Scadaboo lowering the shoulder. He's 5'10". Listed at 212, he might be bigger than that now, from Rio Linda, California. And he delivered a blow at the goal line and scored a touchdown his first. Right now for Coach Chris Ball in his third season. He's just, man, can he find something positive for this NAU team right now that had feel, was feeling good? We told you what their role was. They're looking at this saying, hey, we're 2-1 and one in conference. If we can upset the number 19 team, we are right in the thick of things. But they are down 30 to nothing on the road. Back to throw on third down and long. Looking deep over the middle. That's into space. Caught by the Hornets. It's an interception. Returning it upfield. That's Jeter. Jeter's to the 20. Jeter is tackled out at the 15-yard line. She whiz. Dominant performance by the Hornets. This is so unbelievable. They will run another play, but uh, likely a run. It will be Scadaboo up the middle. Scadaboo with a nice down. run. He's to the 50. Breaks two tackles. Still on his feet. Look out. Scadaboo to the outside. He's to the 25. To the 20. Another cutback. To the 15. Where is he going? He is tackled down at the 13-yard line with 18 seconds to go. Now what do you do? Twist and turn and zig and zag for Cameron Scadaboo. Short in this game with the big lead. Toss sweep to the outside. Here goes Scadaboo. Cuts back. Look out. He's to midfield and rolls forward down to the 50-yard line. So a gain of eight. And that's going to put him for his first career 100-yard rushing game. Third down. Play fake. O'Hara to throw. It's going to look down the far sideline. It's caught, and it's a touchdown. What a throw and a catch. Chris Miller into the end zone. O'Hara throws a bullet, and Sacramento State extends the lead to 43-0. Well, this gives us a perfect chance to go down to Danny because, Danny, you're at the 12-yard line. You saw it all. It was caught right in front of you. It was, guys. It was a beautiful throw, and you knew off the line. I was watching the receiver. As soon as he cut inside and busted out outside and came on, you, you knew it was coming his way. It was a perfect throw, perfect catch, and a great touchdown for the Hornets. Well... This is the moment. Can the Hornets keep the shutout? 5.39 left. Widener's the QB. He's going to work from the shotgun. They've got to get to the 14. There's a quick hard count and a slap of the hands. Now looks over to the right sideline and awaits the snap from the shotgun. It comes in. Hornets show pressure. Ball thrown on the out. Incomplete. Coverage was great by Sacramento State on that outside edge. Incomplete. And the Hornets are going to get the ball back. Really good job on the outside over there. Devon Houston on the coverage. What a night. What a what dominant a performance. crazy night. Yeah. I was expecting this shootout game. I thought both teams, you know, would have close to 40 points. I yep. didn't know it would be 44 to nothing. So happy for the defense. The offense and was spectacular. Trust me, I honor the Hornet defense. I think they're yep. great. But I thought Northern Arizona, considering how their quarterbacks yeah. been playing, would get some points tonight. Right. We were thinking it had to be at 44, maybe a 44-41 game. Instead, it's 44-0. Hornets take the snap. They take a knee, and that's going to do it. Sacramento State dominates. They win on homecoming. They stay perfect in conference. They go to 5-2. They beat the Lumberjacks by a final score of 44-0. Fireworks go off from the parking garage to our left, and Sacramento State stays in first in the big sky. Guys down here with the head coach on homecoming night. Coach, you come into this game after a, a big game in Montana. And you guys always say it's on to the next game. 
And I think they really showed that today after the first quarter, 3 nothing. But second quarter just came. Hornets really showed up. Yeah, we knew we were playing against a, a good football team that was really hot, scoring a lot of points. So um, there was no, no motivational issue at all. And, uh, you know, we did a really good job on defense and, you know, stopping the run and eliminating the big plays. And then we were able to sustain drives on the offensive side of the ball. Had a couple of injuries, but as always you say, next man up. And I think we saw that with Scadaboo. And let's talk about the offense, you know, with Dunaway. Yeah. Great first half. Yeah, I think our guys are going to be okay. We just didn't see any reason to put them back in. So um, I think they'll be fine. But uh, both quarterbacks played well. We did a, a good job of taking care of the ball, except for one instance. Uh, but just proud of how the guys played, how physical they were, and how smart they played. Defense uh, had to be nice for uh, Coach Thompson and a whole defensive team. Now I think I believe that is five straight quarters with not allowing any points. How do you feel about your defense tonight? Awesome defensive staff, and I love our players. And uh, you know, I mean, that, that quarterback's a good player. He's a young guy. He's going to have big days ahead, like he's had in the past. Uh, we just did a, we did a nice job today. It was a great plan, and our guys executed and and came out really motivated and ready to play. Congratulations, Coach, on the great win. Thanks, Danny. Singers up. Well, the coach was happy. He should be happy. Another coach who should be happy is Andy Thompson. Perfect time to catch up with him during the podcast because if you think about what the Hornets have done for Andy Thompson here lately, uh, shut out in the f- uh, fourth quarter of the Montana game, a place where he played, um, and then he coached at Northern Arizona and gets a shutout of that team, but most importantly, wins for the Hornets. So uh, a couple days ago, had a chance to catch up with the defensive coordinator, Andy Thompson. Right now where you guys are, I, I know you got to feel pretty good at what you're getting from your defensive staff and defensive players. Yeah, very excited about uh, the progress that we're making. I think the players have consistently um, been really good at preparing each week, and, and they're coming out and they're getting some great results on Saturday at, um, on defense and as a team, more importantly. Um, but we have a great staff that put them in uh, position each week to try to play to their strengths, and I think they're doing that really well. For a, On a personal level, for you, the last two weeks, you get a fourth-quarter shutout at Montana, a complete game shutout against Northern Arizona, schools you have long ties with. How much more rewarding is that? Is that for you? I try not to think about it. I don't really want to go down that path consistently in coaching, or you'll just be um, up and down all around the whole time. Um, I'm very thankful for my time at both of those places. Um, but really it's about the guys I spend so much time with here, especially with this the longer off season. As these kids put in so much more time, they're just excited to play games, and it happened to be against those two opponents. But more than anything, I'm, I'm really enjoying being around them and seeing the hard work that it's paying off for them, and they're smiling, and there's nothing better than being in a locker room after a win where you see all these kids just um, – so ecstatic about what they've gotten to accomplish because of the the work they put in. The uh, Montana game specifically, obviously you know so well how difficult it is to win there. And you guys in your two years already have had just landmark wins. Where does that one rank, though, amongst your time here with the Hornets? Oh, yeah, that's a, it's been a great win. Anytime they're in the top five mm-hmm. and you go in there and win, and, uh, and it's, a, it is, it's a very hostile um, environment. You've got to be able to control your emotions, but that's – Coach Taylor does a great job of getting the guys prepared for that the entire offseason in the fact that we're just so consistent with our message of stay in the moment, do your job, 
work extremely hard, love what you do. Um, and that was another great opportunity. We loved being able to go in there as a group and, and play well. But I think all those things add up. Um, you just don't show up mm-hmm. on that Saturday and hope you're going to do it. It's it's a lot of preparation. A lot of the credit goes to Coach Taylor and how he prepares and then the kids and how they um, have embraced our, yeah. our, our mantra. I know coaches always want more, right? You got, you're trying to improve, and you guys really have improved from week one to where you are now. What areas would you still like to see improvement on with your defense? Oh, I think we can still get better uh, taking the ball away. Um, you know, I think we had one on Saturday, two the week before our goals, always three. Um, and, and I think we can do a better job of that with our fundamentals. And our fundamentals are always, you know, obviously tackling, covering, getting off blocks. We talk about those three things every day for a long period of time because if we can do those things, um, it doesn't really matter the scheme, which everybody always wants to put a lot of emphasis on the scheme. It's more of if you can tackle people consistently, get off blocks, it doesn't matter what you're in. And then covering has is, is gotten better, and we got to continue that because that limits those explosive plays that offenses just love. Yeah, I was going to say early on, a couple times it looked like you guys were vulnerable to the deep pass, mm-hmm. especially very early in the season. That's cleaned up a lot. Um, is that just kind of just attention to the details? But what, what's gotten better there? Um, no, I think the kids have done a great job. I think coaches, we've made some adjustments on – tactically on what we need to do and um, maybe not invited as much um, with some of the things that we were doing. Um, each each group's a little differently on their skill set, and this group's gotten better at um, keeping the ball in front of us. Obviously, with our offense, um, that's a huge part of it because um, they've been scoring points, and so um, if we make teams drive longer, um, you know, we're not coming from behind where we're trying to create something. Um, I think that helps also, you know, the – different situations in the game is what I'm saying. Um, you can you can move your guys back compared to first and ten and, and, and you know, second and three. So there's a lot of factors. I'm getting the kind of off page there. But um, I think, yes, the credit for sure goes to the players and then our secondary coaches have done a great job and also our front guys in getting pressure. So How much freedom – so let's take us through a defensive play, whatever down, distance, time, score – Calls are going into Hawkins, correct? Is that where they go generally? No, no we signal everything. So the signal goes into everybody. Okay. He'll set the front sometimes, but even our defensive line does that a lot. Um, but he does know, you know, he is in the middle and making calls. And then our safeties make a lot of calls to tell the corners what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, we, we, have, we have terms and words that um, basically either put them in a situation where they're going to cover an area of the field or they're going to cover a man in the back end. And then up front they're either going to, you know, line up and go straight, or they're going to, you know, go to an adjacent gap or mm-hmm. space inside of them or outside of them. So that's that's kind of how it goes. Now, is there freedom for? So you set that pre-snap. It can can there be a change? Can someone see something and change something? Like an offense can audible? Is that or is it? Yeah, yeah. We did that on Saturday a couple times where, you know, they showed something and then they were looking over there and we we switched to a, a different situation. So. Yeah, we have a couple. We had a short yardage play too, where they went into like a you know QB sneak look, and we moved the front, and and so we have a little bit of audible, and we try not to do too much. I don't, I don't think you know kids if they have to think too much, they're not going to play fast. And hopefully, you know, when you watch us, you think those guys are really, man, they they really feel confident. So um, there's a little bit of that, but at the most most times, those guys know what they need to do before the snap, and then they're. They're attacking whatever they're looking at. 
I know before the season when we talked, one of the things you knew you were going to miss, at least at the beginning, was you had some great pass rushers a couple years ago. But now as this season goes along, Erickson's getting there a lot. Roscoe mm-hmm. and now having Nagata in there. What What's that brought to you um, kind of to your defense? I think the other ones is Jet and Hardeman and um, Lake. I mean, some of those defensive tackles that push the pocket so that Erickson can truly have a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all of our guys do a great job. I think Hawkins is, does a good job of, of creating pressure in some of our third down things where he can rush. Um, Marte Mapu is a good rusher when he's been called. So I think the D-line, yes, 1,000%. Coach Polson's done a great job of developing those guys. He's been doing that ever since I've known him, and he's a really good coach. Um, at the same time, I think our back end helps when they're taking away the quarterback's first look. Mm-hmm. We always talk about that. If the quarterback can drop back and he can throw the ball on his first thing that he wanted to do, it's really hard if you have Lawrence Taylor in there right. rushing the quarterback. you got to get him to look through a progression. And so it's a team defensive thing, and you notice our guys, they don't really care who gets the credit. And mm-hmm. if – we're not playing a lot of plays. We're not going to have great stats sometimes, but the result is pretty good. And we've tried to sell that. It's more the really good defenses don't have a lot of guys with tackles. Um, and I don't know how we are in tackles, but I would be surprised if we had that many guys that are very high up because we don't want to play. Our job is to get the ball back to the offense. So long answer, but um, I think we're doing a much better job as a team. I know before the season as well, you talked about not having a, a nickel back or kind of the rover as as big as Marte. Yeah. And he's had a great season. What Just his size, what does that do for that position when, what, a couple years ago it was Bruce and different guys yeah, there? Yeah, you saw on Saturday, I mean, more of it is his spacing too. He's got really good um, eye progression where he looks to see if it's a runner pass and then he plays it off of that. But on Saturday you even saw they had to throw the ball up mm-hmm. and over and wide to the wide field. And um, – like 83% of the snaps are on a hash mark in college football. So he's always to the wide field. So you think he's got a huge amount of space to cover. And the longer sometimes and taller, if you can move your feet, can be a real advantage of the ball having to go up and over. Even our interception went up and over, um, and Jeter caught the pass on Saturday. Um, But to your question, Marte's played exceptional. He puts in time now. Mm -hmm. He is always here. Um, and so he does a lot of studying, and he he loves the game. Um, I would say, you know, as a, anybody on our defense, he is very plugged in what their tendencies are. He's always yelling out what they're doing, mm-hmm. and it's paying off for him because he's playing at a really high level, and I, I think he can still keep getting better this, this last, you know, part of our season as we go. That's awesome. I know um, you, would, you didn't like going against your own offense in camp. Um, what are your thoughts on what you're seeing from them? I mean, two QBs, we, we didn't know if that would work. It's obviously working um, when you're you're worried about the defense, but what do you think about what your offense is doing? Amazing It would be the word I just jumps to my head. Um, but at the same time, Coach Taylor's done it everywhere he's been. I mean, yeah. it's not by like, oh, hey, this is a surprise. Um, it's just a matter of, of putting all the pieces together and our offensive staff, you know, having three freshman alignment – Last week we got down to a third-team center, and it, we didn't miss a beat. Um, that entire staff does such a great job. Um, you know, credit to also Coach Frescas coaching two quarterbacks, Coach Osborne play, coaching three freshmen O-linemen, Jeremy LePan coaching a tight end that does multiple things, and then the running backs. I mean, 
we put somebody in. That's that's big time that mm-hmm. Malcolm Agnew has been able to develop those guys. But it does start with, with our head coach um, and the detail that he coaches with. And it is an absolute nightmare during camp to have to go against it every day. Um, and it, it was hard early. We were not doing some things real well uh, during camp. And you're like, gosh, is it the fact that it's so hard to go against these guys? Or are we do we need to change something? So um, that's constantly a thought. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we stuck with some of the stuff that we we are doing because it's it, it it works sometimes better against some of the things that um, our offense does. But yeah, amazing job is was the the word that comes to mind for you to have the freedom. Coaches openly said it. No, Coach Thompson, he's he's got it. He's he's he lets you and the rest of the defensive staff have full control. That's probably a good thing. And I don't know if it's ever a bad thing, but what's that like for you just to know that it's kind of it's kind of your deal. I, I think it's 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 great. Um, you want to take responsibility in it, and um, you know he 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 also gives me some great feedback from going against us, and he gives great feedback on on discipline. You know, the the penalties, the the things that you know you got to do to be good on either side of the ball. Um, the other thing I've just learned is how he installs things. I try to do it the same way. Um, is it simple for the kids, but complex for the hopefully the opposing offense, you know, that's how his offense is. I think it's very complex if you just look at it from the stands, but for the kids, they're playing so fast. So I've taken a lot from, from him that way. But yeah, ultimately when you're the defensive coordinator, um, you gotta, you gotta be responsible for it. And um, at the same time, I, we have great assistants that I work with, you know, from Chris Perry helping us with all the analytics that we do. And, you know, again, I've mentioned coach Cherokee coach, Cole and then Coach Polson and then we got good support staff. Adrian Gonzalez is our GA, breaks down all the film. We got an undergrad student, Cody, who does a great job with his role. So I do think it's a team effort, mm-hmm. um, and I think we've got great support here. And um, I'm just lucky to be a part of it. And obviously on game day, I got to make some final calls on what we call in there. But it's definitely a team work. We go through all those as a, as a staff. Mm-hmm. How about for you, family support? I know your dad over the last couple of years, former coach. Mm-hmm. He's been around uh, several times. What's it like in your conversations with your dad? Dad's great. Um, he loves he loves uh, every part of what the game brings. You know, and he, there's so many life lessons that he's taught me through football um, that always is you know sending me little notes to try to you know give to the players and and more than anything, just how to treat people. I try to. Mm-hmm treat our, all of our players with respect and dignity, um, not just because I'm a coach, but it's, that's what he taught me with all people. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he's he's been great. My mom's great, too. She's watched more football than <laughs> most people in this lifetime, and she, she's great. She gives me good feedback, too. So I'm very lucky to have a great support system. And also my wife, is she's unbelievable because we've got three little boys, and this is a big-time commitment, and mm-hmm. she does a great job of, of helping and, and being there also as a – you know, somebody that I can I can get home and talk to. So I'm very lucky. Takes a team, that's Definitely. for sure. Definitely. <laughs> All right, last thing for you, uh, Northern Colorado, next opponent. Um, you guys do a very good job of moving on to the next one, whether it was a tough loss or a great win. Yeah. Um, what do you what do you have to do this week? And what do they do? What are you looking at this week for Northern Colorado? I think their quarterbacks. You know, he's he's a dual threat. He can run. He can pass. He rushed for over 100 yards last week against Southern Utah, and they got a big win on the road. Um, they kind of controlled the, the the game with their offense. They're, they have a huge running back um, that runs hard. Um, they got a you know transfer Pac-12 receiver Cassidy that 
has done some good things. And then their offensive line is just big. So um, always a challenge. These guys have had some great wins. I think they got three wins, which is more than they've had the last two years. So it'll be a great challenge. Um, but more than anything for us, we're trying to build a standard uh, and a consistency um, that anywhere we go, you know, our defense is going to do things um, correctly, get lined up, you know, play fast as we can and be really physical and, and try to get the, the takeaways that we talk about because that's our number one job is to get the ball back to the offense as many times as we can, as fast as we can. Um, so the goals don't really change if we go on the road or who we play, but I'm hoping we can continue that standard that we always talk about. Well, you guys have more than built that standard. Keep it up, Coach. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, so Coach Thompson gave us a little insight on this Northern Colorado team. We look at what they've done so far. They're 3-5 and five overall. They've got a record of 2-3, and three, and you know they're more than capable uh, any week, right? You, that's the way the sport goes. If you look at their schedule, they opened up with a tough game at Colorado, lost that one playing up. Uh, they defeated Houston Baptist, lost to Lamar University, but did beat Northern Arizona in overtime. Their most recent games, they lost to Montana State, lost badly to Eastern Washington, lost to UC Davis, and then they just beat Southern Utah. So they have had a whopper of a schedule. We talk about this a lot here on the podcast. A lot about this league is who you don't play. Well, look at who Northern Colorado has to play this year in conference. They played Northern Arizona, Montana State, Eastern Washington, UC Davis, they still have to play Montana, Weber State, Sacramento State this week, and last week they played Southern Utah. They've got all the big ones, and that makes it very, very difficult for them, either home or road. But uh, we'll see how it goes this week with new head coach Ed McCaffrey taking over that program this year. And he's 3-5. and five. His son, of course, is the quarterback. And it's a team the Hornets have had very good success against in the past, and they've played well in Greeley in the past. But if you're the Hornets, it's about keeping on, keeping the forward momentum going, sustaining momentum, and building, and and not really going backwards as this team has improved each and every week, and that's a really good sign for the coaches and the players as well. Uh, to conclude the podcast, we thought we'd have some fun here with a, a great moment years ago. Sacramento State was in Greeley, and there's not too many times this gets to happen. Uh, a win at the end, right? A walk-off win. This one was most unique, I would say. It's going to take you back years when Sacramento State was in Greeley, and they won on a Hail Mary the final play of the game, it was really miraculous, but we thought we'd let you hear this again for Hornet fans kind of going the way back machine here. People you're going to hear from on this, you're going to hear uh, at that time, first-year head coach Marshall Spurbeck, Jason Smith, who was the quarterback, Ryan Coogler, Hornet fans know that name for sure, and the Hollywood industry does as well now, and Tony Washington in there amongst a few others. Uh, but let's listen back to the great Greeley Grab. November 10th, 2007, will be a date that will be long remembered in the history of Sacramento State football. The Hornets trailed Northern Colorado in the closing seconds, and it was time to make a decision. The choice was pretty clear for first-year head coach Marshall Spurbeck. Well, I believe we were on the 44, 45-yard line, and you don't have many options. you know, you got to either throw it to the end zone, you got one play left, or take a shot at a field goal, and I really felt that the field goal was out of his range at that point, so... Uh, we opted for the uh, infamous uh, Flex 865 Big Ben. Flex 865 Big Ben. That's the play call, and the result turned into the great Greeley grab. Here at 44 yards, Smith can get it to the end zone. You want to get the ball to the end zone. You don't want one of those plays where if you don't have Billy White's shoes 
Johnson in 1982 or whatever year that was. So you want to get the ball to the end zone. Even though it's a desperate scenario, the Hornets were well-equipped to handle the situation. Quarterback Jason Smith felt comfortable with the play because it's one the Hornets have practiced before. That's the same thing we're working on uh, every day before we get on the road trip, that Friday walkthrough. Uh, we run about two or three times of practice. Uh, just try to buy as much time as I can, let the offensive line hold the defense line, and just throw it up in high and let the receivers get under it. Wide receiver Ryan Coogler just had a hunch before the play that something special was going to happen. You worked on that play and practiced the day before a lot. You know, more, more, more so than ever, the coaches were really on me about jumping up and going to get it. So I didn't feel out of place, you know, uh, when we did it because we worked on it about from midfield uh, the day before. So, so, that, so that was, so maybe that's why, you know what I'm saying? It, it had, it had kind of eerie familiarity when, when, it, when, it, when it happened, you know. Um, and, not, and not for one second did we just think the game was over. That was the biggest thing right there. Like, like we were out there playing really believing that we could do it. Believing it is one thing, but executing it is another. As for that, the Hornets did it perfectly. You know, as much as it is a luck play, uh, they did execute it properly the way, you know, we go about it in practice. So that was neat. Well, here we go. So we'll see which receiver can go up and catch this one if they can for the Hornets. They trail 17-14. Three seconds to go in the ballgame. Hail Mary type situation. Sacramento State with three receivers left, one here to the right. They'll have one back for protection to block for Jason Smith. Final play of the game. And left all the way back in the here. Defense. Smith back to throw, has time to throw, rolls to his left, steps, fires, airs it out high in the air. Wide receiver Ryan Coogler and Tony Washington worked out their own teamwork to make Big Ben a possibility. So I was just thinking, because the pass comes to me, so I was just thinking, I got to jump up, get up, and get it. And like, uh, and like right before we went in the, right before we went in the hoe, Tony said, if you can't get it, just tip it. When uh, he called the play, you know, it's a play that we ran in practice all the time. And uh, when, uh, when he called it, I looked at Coog. I'm like, hey, Coog, if you can't catch it, at least tip it up. You know, I'll be around there somewhere. A bunch of bodies down there. The ball is up. Hit once. And it caught. It's gone. Pull that guy down. It's right on the line. Yeah, I, I probably got the best view in the house because I turned around. I was gonna try to catch it myself, and then I, I saw Tone was, uh, was was perfect in perfect position. He got to it, and I didn't even look to see if he caught. It. I knew he was gonna catch. It. I just looked to his feet. His feet were in bounds, both of them. Yeah, I mean, I knew I was in bounds. I knew for sure. I mean, I, the line judge kind of made me think twice about it a little bit, but then I saw the other one with his hands. So I was gonna do that yet. The best part of any situation like that is the ensuing pandemonium. From players and coaches, they all celebrated this one in a different way. I just dead sprint to the end zone, jumping up and down with everyone else. Just couldn't believe it happened. It was just, I don't know, it was a cool experience. Took off running on the track. I ran like 100 meters on the track screaming. And like the team tackled Tony. So it was pretty crazy. I felt like I almost got tackled and brought to the ground. It was crazy. But no, it was definitely, you felt the joy of the whole team. And that when everybody came running onto the field. Good Anytime you win on the last play of a game uh, with that kind of uh, uh, an effort and that kind of a play, it's, it's exciting. And you know, our kids, they didn't know what to do. And neither did the coaches. You just kind of run around smiling and jumping around, and it was a great feeling. It does not get any better than that. That ball was thrown so high in the air, I didn't think it would make the end zone. A bunch of players went up at the beginning of the end zone batted it up in the air to the back of the end zone. I don't know why Washington went back there, but he went beyond the group and caught it with one foot in bounds, falling out of the back of the end zone. There are Northern Colorado players still sitting on that line complaining he was out of bounds. 
and they can't believe it. Done silence, though, here in Northern Colorado. The Hail Mary spiraled up high. Finally, and all Hornets that we can live with. For Cyrus Mulatalo, Ray Navarre, and Jason Smith, all Hornets that will never forget that moment. Definitely. One, one will never forget some uh, story I can tell my kids one day. That was definitely one of the biggest plays I've ever been a part of. Um, just giving them enough time to make that play. And then Koo coming up coming up big with a tip. I mean, he couldn't come down with it, tip it. And uh, Tony just had great awareness. And that was just huge. It's something I'll never, yeah, I'll never forget. I mean, it's something I know I'll remember, you know, for the rest of my life. Something, you know, tell my children or something when I get older. November 10th, 2007, in Greeley, Colorado, a day that will live in Hornet football history even if the story changes over the years. As I get older, probably, <laughs> probably it'll be a 101-yard hundred, pass and, and no time left. And I jumped 10 feet in the air, so I'm like, probably, man, I, I wouldn't doubt it. You know how a story you get. But, I mean, the one thing that, 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 that can't be argued with is that we won that game in the last play, man. Three seconds to go in the ballgame. Hail Mary type situation. Sacramento State with three receivers left, one here to the right. They'll have one back for protection to block four. Jason Smith, final play of the game, unless the Hornets get a penalty here. They're all the way back to protection defense. Smith back to throw, has time to throw, rolls to his left, steps, fires, airs it out high in the air. A bunch of bodies down there. The ball is up, tipped once, and it caught. It's gone past the ground. It Well, that was fun. I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks again to Andy Thompson for joining us on this week's uh, Stingers Up podcast. Thank you to all of you out there. And again, tell a friend, let them know we're out there, that they can follow Hornet football all the time here on the podcast. So this weekend, it's the Hornets in Northern Colorado. We're back next week to recap that and look ahead to the next matchup. Uh, But thanks again for listening here to the Sacramento State Hornet Stingers Up football podcast.